Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. We have another utterly and completely random episode this week. Tuesday's episode was random. I just received um, not so great news right before I had to sit down to tape. This week is random just because I'm kind of a random person. I kind of like the random episodes though. But no, today I'm on this emotional roller coaster. I told folks on, on my social media channels that I had signed the lease on my apartment in Ghana. And I actually signed the lease before that. I sent the money over the weekend. Lease has been signed, but you know, nothing's real until, you know, the deposit hits. And for apartments in, I don't know if it's all of Africa, but at least in Ghana, you have to send the amount of your entire lease in advance. So it was a significant chunk leaving my account and my bank like completely flipped out. They sent me all these passcodes. They had to text me something. And then I had to get a passcode from the app just to go, just to put the wire through. And before they would actually process it, I actually had to speak on the phone to a representative from the bank and answer like a series of questions like, am I sending this money under duress? Have I met the person that I'm sending the money to? Do I understand that, you know, once this wire goes through that it's almost impossible to get my money back if, you know, this is discovered to be a scam? Do I take accountability and that I will not hold the bank liable? And then after those questions, which are all recorded, then they sent me a text that I had to give them a code for again. And then they sent me another code through my bank app. So I had to like jump through all these hoops just to like push the thing through. But I was like, shit's real. Shit's real. Like I'm, I'm actually moving to Ghana. It's very, um, I'm very excited about it, but it's also like very surreal. This is something I've been talking about since, I don't know, 2020. Because I remember um, there's a really popular journalist who, who moved to L.A. We talked about her subletting my apartment because like, I had a fully furnished apartment and I hadn't been in L.A. that long. And she's not bringing any of her stuff with her. So I was like, you know, you want to take over my spot and just stay in it while I'm, you know, figure out what I'm you know, doing overseas. And she was like, bet. And then, you know, a whole pandemic happened. That was definitely 2020. And I kept thinking the pandemic would end and it just wouldn't. So yeah, like 2022, like delayed, but not denied. Like I am packing up my American life for the foreseeable future and I'm moving to Ghana. I wasn't even freaked out about like, you know, sending this like chunk of money. I was freaked out about like the logistics of it all. Like I've got to get all my stuff back to the East Coast. My parents are going to keep all my stuff for me. And then like just setting up like my life in Ghana. Like I just remember moving to LA and I guess it was slightly different though because I moved to LA and like I had no furniture other than like literally my desk. My spot in Ghana, I've got this two bedroom in the heart of the city and it's fully furnished so I don't have to worry about that. But it's so much other stuff that goes within like, you know, setting up a life. Like somebody asked me today and they were like, you know, am I still going to be able to hit you on like, you know, this phone number? And I was like, um, you probably can't call it. You could text me. You're probably best off on like WhatsApp. And they were like, oh, that's going to be so weird. And I was like, if you have an iPhone, you can text me. It'll be like exactly the same. Like just how you're doing now. I'll just be, you know, in Ghana. I was like, oh. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And I think that's probably the thing that uh, is making me the most uneasy. Like there's just so much like, I don't know. There's just a lot of questions and not a lot of answers at the moment. So
In better news, though, I started working out again. I think I told y'all that. Like, I started going back to the gym. I've been every day this week. Sunday doesn't count, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Killing myself. I have reintroduced the Stairmaster into my workout routine. I hate the Stairmaster. It gets results quickly, so I do it. But my God, I hate that thing. I'd rather march uphill for an hour on the 12 incline than do the Stairmaster for 10 minutes. I hate the Stairmaster. But it works. But it works. But I'm like, yo, Ghana is hot and I want to be like half naked, you know, as much as as much as I can, you know, conforming to, you know, cultural norms because Ghana is actually a pretty conservative place. I don't know. It sounds weird to say start a new life. I'm beginning a new adventure in another place, but it's a continuation of the same life. But I want to look fabulous um, in my new continuation. So um, so the gym, it is. What else is going on? I think that's it for me. All I've done this week is work, work, work. Much better this week than last week. I ain't had no feature stories to write this week. Like I've been writing, but nothing on like tight, tight deadlines. I've been able to like breathe a little. It hasn't been so bad. Um, But it's a good week to be a black girl, black girl, black girl, black girl, black girl. Ketanji Brown Jackson, she was confirmed to the Supreme Court, which I knew was going to happen. The Democrats always had the vote to push her through. So it was never really a question of whether it was going to happen. The real question was like which Republicans were going to vote for or against her. Given her, you know, amazing qualifications, it was like there's really no reason to vote against her other than like she's black. You know, the one black Republican, Tim, is it Tim Scott? You know, he ain't vote for her, right? Which shouldn't surprise me, but I was like, damn, Really? Really? But no, I saw the video of of, um, Kamala Harris announcing her confirmation. You know, Kamala, she was like trying to keep it professional, but she was about to just giggle her head off. You know, her big laugh that she has, like she was trying to like, you know, taper it in. But she had a big old silly smile. Like she was clearly super happy about this. The first black woman confirmed to the Supreme Court. I want to say it's over 200 years. Better late than never, but should have been done a long time ago. But congratulations to Kentanji Brown Jackson. This is an amazing, is feet the right word? I'm glad Joe Biden, this was one of his campaign promises. I'm glad that he kept his promise because, you know, folks say anything when they're trying to get elected. And it's like, oh, well, I'm, I'm in now. What you want me to do? So he could have flipped the switch and it would have been disappointing to me, but not very surprising because, you know, America. But he didn't. So I, I appreciate that he kept his word. But I got... Misty, I didn't cry. And you know how much I love to cry. Be in here boohooing, just watching TV shows. But I got like Misty watching the first black woman as vice president announcing, you can hear it in my voice now. I'm like choking up again. Announcing the first black woman to become a judge, a justice on the Supreme Court. It was a moment. Which the Republicans being the assholes that they are, when the Kamala... That's what we call her as a term of endearment. But Vice President Harris, when she announced that um, that Justice Brown Jackson had been confirmed, Republicans got up and walked out. And I was like, is it that serious? It's not like this woman is like a moral affront. It's not like she's putting like pubic hair on people's coke or something. Or she's accused of being a drunk rapist or like a fucking cult member. I'm like, what has she done that's such an affront? Nothing. Just, just be black and a woman and somebody they didn't want and they feel that that level of, of rudeness and disrespect is okay, acceptable. 
which it is because they did it and nothing happens. There's not going to be a sanction for them or anything. You know, I really don't want to talk about Will Smith. I'm going to try not to. It is not a note that I have on my, my list of things to do today. But I just think it's really interesting. I don't know that Will Smith happens without a Trump. There is someone out there that exists to ha- that has the free time to write a full and complete and thorough essay about that. But I want to say that there's been such a, what's the word? It's not devaluation. It's not, how do I want to phrase? Give me a second. There has been a cultural shift where acting uncivilized has become more acceptable and more commonplace, specifically because of Trump. Fish rots from the head. She's president of the United States. You're out here acting like a whole ass. It gives other people permission to act like a whole ass. Even just like the way he conducts press conferences, like just the constant insults, the the Twitter meltdowns that we all endured for like four years. Like I think it's changed the level of not just discourse, but also social interaction. I also think COVID has a bit to do with it as well. People were like caught up by themselves too long and lost some of their basic social skills that have not yet to be recovered. This is not making excuses for Will Smith. I'm just pointing out that like overall decorum, that's the word I was trying to find. There's just an overall regression of decorum in the country. And I say that that applies to, you know, Will Smith. I'm sure that's not the first time that he wanted to walk on stage and slap somebody. It's just the first time he did it. The Republican senators, I mean, there were individual people who acted a fool under Obama, but I don't remember them being this bad. Were you just get up and like walk out of a confirmation hearing for the Supreme Court? Are you like, seriously? But I'm glad. I'm glad that that Justice Brown Jackson has been confirmed. I hope that this will get the Republican senators or the Republicans in general off her ass. They have painted this woman in some of just the craziest light. Like I was watching this guy the other day say that she would have defended Nazis. And I was like, nigga, what? And the logic was that she had spent part of her career as a public defender. And I want to say it was for federal crimes. Like the American justice system, as you know, based on the Constitution, says that everyone has a right to legal representation. But the idea was that, you know, if I guess if a Nazi needed a public defender, then she would defend that person as a public defender. I think that was his logic. But I was like, did she actually ever represent a Nazi? Like, why would you say that? Just because it's inflammatory and you want to paint this black woman as, I don't know, angry or militant. And I guess you can't do that when she, you know, sits through your confirmation hearings and you badger the fuck out of her and she just sits there composed the whole time. It's really difficult to paint her as angry when she showed no expressions of anger. So it's like, well, we can't go with the angry black woman stereotype. So we'll go with the Nazis. They tried to paint her as pro-child molester or, or child sexual abuse. They said as a judge, when cases came before her where, where children were being abused, she didn't give the abusers harsh enough sentences. So that meant that she was a supporter of, of child sexual abuse. Like what? And then she pointed out, and I said this on a previous episode, she was like, yeah, so um, I, I sentence people based on, on the guidelines that are uh, set forth and approved by Congress. So y'all, 
are the ones that do this. I just, I work within the guidelines, the parameters that you set. I work within those because that's, that's my job. You know, that's my job. Do you know what your job is? So maybe they'll let up on her. I, I, I hope so. But she's in a position now where she can tell everybody to kiss her ass and she's still going to have a job for life. So, yeah. I'm so excited about this. Lots of good black news this week. Notori Naughton, she's a really sweet lady. I don't know no Notori. I've met her on a couple occasions. Her and her mom. I used to run into her in New York all the time and L.A. When I would be out here for like work, I'd run into her at parties and such. Always a sweetheart. Always speaks. Ran into her and her mom um, during a difficult time. In New York, and her mom gave me some nice consoling words. But she and her husband look really, really cute in their wedding photos. She looks really, really pretty. So this wedding was something to be seen. Essence had like all the pictures. They got married at the St. Regis in Buckhead, which is a really, really, really beautiful property. I saw Amari Hardwick was in the wedding. He looked really nice. Um, I saw Lala was in the wedding. Montel Jordan officiated. I'm also reading still on Essence that, that uh, Mr. Jordan and his wife, Kristen, assisted the couple with marriage counseling. I need to look into what Montel Jordan is up to these days. I figured he could live the rest of his life off This Is How We Do It. That song was everywhere. The royalties alone, if he signed a halfway decent contract, he should never have to work again. But maybe this is his passion project. I don't know. Tevin Campbell sang at the wedding. This is so exciting. At the reception, Notori did her traditional bouquet toss. And it was caught by her bridesmaid, Lala Anthony. I know that means absolutely nothing. It's just the catching of the bouquet. But I would love to see Lala find love again. If that's something she's interested in, Lala might just be over that shit. Carmela was a lot. She might just be like, leave me the fuck alone, which I totally respect. But if she's looking for love again, then I hope she finds love. And if she just want to mind her black business and be real free, then I'm also fine with that. I want Lala to have whatever it is that Lala wants. But these wedding photos are beautiful. If you haven't seen them, go on Essence.com and have a look. Like the bridal party, she had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. She had eight bridesmaids. There's way more groomsmen than bridesmaids. Hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. There are eleven groomsmen and eight bridesmaids. Somehow they make it work, though. The picture is beautiful. The groomsmen are wearing purple suits. That's a unique touch. If you told me about it, I'd say no. But seeing it in the picture, it actually looks nice. I don't know how that ages in about 20 years. But, you know, let's go with it. And then the bridesmaids have on these pink peachy gowns. The gowns are all the same color and length with different cuts. But they look good. They look really, really good. Oh, my God. Yeah, you have to go in essence and look at these pictures. The, br- the flower budget, you know how much I love a good budget. Marjorie Harvey's been like low key lately. I haven't been able to get my good like budget well spent fix. Oh no, but the flower budget alone. They have floral chandeliers. Y'all gotta go look at this. This is beautiful. This is absolutely gorgeous. Oh, Tyra Banks, there's a bit of controversy. Tyra Banks is in a new Skims ad with some other supermodels. The only other one I recognize is Heidi Klum, who looks fucking amazing. Tyra, too, does look amazing. She looks beautiful. Face card never declines. How old is Tyra? I'm not going to say she looks good for whatever age she is. I'm saying Tyra Banks looks good, period. And I want to know how old she is. Tyra Banks is 48 years old. She looks amazing. So Tyra is featured in this Skims ad, which people saw the ad and it was like, oh, okay, like Tyra looks great, which she does. And then Tyra posted some behind the scenes video 
of the shoot for the for the ad campaign on her Instagram page. And it was very, very obvious that Tyra had been photoshopped a bunch, like a lot. How do I say this? Tyra is not the same size she was when she was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Tyra was on the cover of Sports Illustrated over 20 years ago. Let's see. Hold on. Tyra Banks, Sports Illustrated. And I believe she was the first black girl to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Yeah? 1997. So we're talking a good 25 years ago. Her body shouldn't look the same. That's normal. That's fine. That's okay. Her actual unphotoshopped body looks great. I'm making no criticism about Tyra's body. My criticism is the photoshopping of it. She's an extraordinarily attractive woman. She's already won the genetic lottery. I mean, the woman was, is, because she's in a current campaign, a supermodel. But it's just like, wow, like this woman is, is one of the most beautiful women in existence, has a beautiful shape still, and you're photoshopping her? It left a yuck taste for me. And which also makes this really weird because I told y'all like I wear skims, right? If you go on the skims site for nearly every item of clothing, they show you a version of it in like the standard industry model size, but then they also show it to you in a plus size. And there's all sorts of plus size bodies on the site. Being inclusive is part of your brand. Selling to fuller figured women I mean, everyone wears Spanx these days, right? Your plusher madame type woman is who I would think would be your biggest customer. Seeing as how the average size woman in the United States is a 14, which is considered plush size. Like I would just think that it would behoove you to want to have like a plusher size woman in your ads where people are like, oh, they make shapewear for shapes like mine. But you got to get the people to the site, right? I don't know. I was really disappointed in them for that. Tyra looked amazing though. Even without the touch-up. Yeah. Told you it was a good week to be a black girl. Rihanna has entered the Forbes billionaires list. She entered with 1.7 billion. This is Rihanna's first time making the Forbes list. She is the first billionaire of her home country of Barbados, according to Forbes. She has been declared the world's richest female musician. And U.S. Today notes that the pop star has leveraged her Fenty Beauty Cosmetics line and her Savage X Fenty lingerie business to make her good billion. She go fuck around and have two billion any day now. We are buying up the Fenty lingerie and the Fenty Cosmetics. And this is another example. I think this is why the Skims thing with Tyra upsets me so bad. Rihanna, smart woman that she is. It's not like she went and invented cosmetics and it's not like she went and invented lingerie, which she did in addition to making quality product because that's that Fenty foundation is like some other shit. I ain't had nothing like that before. That's actually like really good foundation. Her secret to success was being like, okay, most makeup lines have this range of shades. Once you start getting into the brown shades, like it starts getting real tricky. You're not getting all the undertones right. You're not going dark enough. There's a whole cross section of women that are being left out of the foundation. So we're going to make foundations in like 50 colors and, and we're going to make we're going to make lingerie and we're going to make it for people who are differently able. We're going to make it for pregnant women. We're going to make it for women with all sorts of different body types. And we're going to run it up to what, like 4X, 5X, 6X, one of those. We're going to make sure that everybody who wants some lingerie 
can get in this lingerie. We're going to make sure that everybody who possibly could want cosmetics is going to be able to come to us and always be able to find something in their shade. And $1.7 billion later on the Forbes list is a testament to the profit of inclusion. That's why I don't understand the skims thing. I just don't understand why you would do this ad campaign that like you Photoshop it to make it less inclusive. Like that makes no sense. Makes no sense. But congratulations to Rihanna. Ashanti is having a good week. Ashanti got her star on the Walk of Fame. I think I read that on BET. Yeah, BET. They posted on Instagram. They said our 2021 Lady of Soul, that would be Ashanti, accepted her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Good for her. I think celebrities actually pay for their stars on the Walk of Fame. Actually, I'm positive they pay for their stars on the Walk of Fame. However, everybody can't just like, you know, get a star. You have to tell them like, hey, I want a star and I think I belong. And then like they figure out like, do do you belong? And then if they think you're worthy, then they give you a star. But Ashanti looks freaking amazing. She has on this white suit. Her jewelry dripping in emeralds and diamonds. She looks freaking amazing. But congratulations to Ashanti. I like Ashanti. This makes so much sense because her publicist hit me up the other day. Not about Ashanti. I'm just friends with her publicist. Michelle Huff, who used to be my publicist, who kind of is my publicist. It's weird. Oh, this makes perfect sense. She hit me up and said, I'm in L.A. on Wednesday. I was like, I can't get up today. I was like, I'm doing errands today and I've got the podcast all day Thursday. But can we get up Friday? And she said, that's perfect because I'm tied up Thursday. She was tied up with Ashanti getting a star. On the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Hilarious. Last but not least in our black girl good news. Black woman, I should say. That's more appropriate. Monique and Lee Daniels. They have been feuding for 13 years. 10 and 3. 13 years. Because Monique didn't want to do the press rounds for Precious, which she starred in. And also won an Academy Award for it. But she said it wasn't in her contract And that was a lot of work. And she wasn't trying to do all that. And she wanted to be home with her husband and kids. And she said Lee Daniels and Oprah and Tyler Perry, who were executive producers on the film. I think Lee Daniels directed. She said they stopped fucking with her because of that. She done cursed these people out publicly so many times. I don't know what brought this to a head. And I don't care. I'm just glad that Monique will not be everywhere cursing out Lee Daniels no more. No more. I also read that Lee Daniels has a new film coming out um, called Demon House. It's an exorcism film that was acquired by Netflix. And it was originally supposed to star Octavia Spencer. Spencer had to bow out of the film because of a scheduling conflict with her Apple TV television show, Truth Be Told. Okay, there's nothing we need to look into and what happened with Octavia Spencer. She had a schedule conflict. Monique is coming in to replace her. Well, that's mighty convenient. Lee Daniels going to show up with an apology and a job. That is one good way to make amends. This is an interesting choice for Monique. I mean, not, well, Lee Daniels apologized, so okay, but that is going to be on Netflix. Like, you remember Monique sued Netflix? She, she, she sued them in 2019 for racial and gender discrimination. They, she said they were trying to drastically underpay her for a stand-up special after offering other stars tens of millions of dollars. They offered her 500000 for an hour-long comedy special. They offered Amy Schumer 26 times that. What is that, $13 million? 
And good news, it's not about a black woman, but good news nonetheless. Kanye West allegedly has told Kim Kardashian that he is going away for a while and he is going to get some help. Godspeed. Godspeed. I also saw that he pulled out of Coachella. He's being replaced by The Weeknd. Coachella announced that The Weeknd would be replacing Kanye West relatively quickly. They did so before the contract was finalized. And I guess before The Weeknd realized that he wasn't getting paid what Kanye was getting paid. You know, they were paying Kanye West 8 million American USD dollars in dineros to perform like an hour long set at Coachella. 8 million for one show? Wow. And Kanye puts on a hell of a show. I saw the Glow in the Dark tour. I saw him at Essence when he performed Runaway and brought out all the ballet dancers. I saw him for Watch the Throne with Jay-Z. I saw the college dropout too before it dropped when he was still, like people were still calling him Kane West. The Dream said, if y'all gonna pay Kanye eight million, y'all gonna run my ass eight million too. I'm stepping in in a clutch. Y'all might not think of me as Kanye numbers, but between the two of us, only one of us has done the Super Bowl. Run me my American USD dollars and dineros. I ain't doing this shit. So Coachella tried to pay hardball with him. He was like, you have one hour to make a decision. I think I read that on page six. I'm pulling it up now. The weekend. I thought you have a friend that looks like the weekend. You probably know who I'm talking about, but I'll never say his name. I'm reading from page six directly. Coachella is April 17th and April 24th. Kanye has pulled out two weeks before the event. The organizer of the festival was going to try to pay the weekend less and just pocket the money. Mm, this is the quote I was looking for. Page six talked to a source. They, they kind of hint that it was somebody from the weekend's management. The, the source says, quote, even after Coachella announced the new lineup on Wednesday, a deal wasn't in place for the weekend who threatened to pull out at an hour's notice if he didn't get the same deal as Kanye. Finally, on Wednesday, faced with the prospect of a second headline act pulling out of Coachella at the last minute, the production company caved and agreed to pay the weekend the same money. Good for the weekend. Run that black man his money. Oh, this is in weird black people news. Donald Glover. You know, what's interesting. I watched Atlanta, the first three episodes in the new season, because I hadn't watched it yet. We talked about that in a previous episode. I was telling you like a recap of what other people were talking about. I watched the first three episodes last night and I was like, oh my God, this is freaking amazing. Oh my God, I love Atlanta. After I watched the second episode, I had to go look up the name of the writer because I I like her because I just, I thought it was an excellent episode of television. I, I really love the new season. The Bibby episode of Atlanta, the one where Paperboy goes to the barbershop, is one of my favorite episodes of television ever. It's in my top 10. I really, really, really like Atlanta. I really, really like a lot of Childish Gambino music. Um, obviously, like, this is America, but there's a song on the last album. Is it the last album? California. I love that song. When I was planning on moving to California, I was like, I cannot get a place in Koreatown because of this song. I've never been to a Childish Gambino concert. I saw footage once where he just he just went off. Bruh was dancing and just like went full off. And I was like, oh my God, I love this dude. I don't particularly care for Donald Glover. Like he's one of those people like I like his art, kind of Kanye-esque in this way. I like his art more than him and I like his art 
despite him. I think he shoots himself in the foot every time he does an interview. He strikes me as one of those dudes that tries to sound like I'm a different kind of dude. Like he wants to just set himself off like he's like a special snowflake or some shit. And I don't mean snowflake as in like whitewash because of his white wife. I'm not taking a jab there. But he just likes to set himself apart. It's like, I am different. I am a different kind of, I am a different kind of creative. I am a different kind of person. I'm just different, like just to be different, just to say I'm different. And, you know, it informs the art. So I appreciate it. But just the way it comes across and just like, I don't know, interviews, I don't particularly care for him. And I never really thought that much about it until like I was uh, sitting at the Essence Black Women in Hollywood and they called his name to come to the stage. He was presenting, I can't remember to who, but they called his name and he came on stage. I think I told you that. Like he came on stage. He's like recently shaved his head. He's bald. And I was like, Donald Glover? Yeah. He did this interview with Interview Magazine. There's a couple of things that are worth noting about this. So one, the main picture is of him in a diaper, grown ass man, wearing angel wings outside of a Taco Bell. That's what I mean. I just like, he be just doing different shit just to be like, I'm different. I'm different. I'm on some, some different shit than you're on. You know, and I, I'm like a little, you know, left of center in some ways too. But I was like, bruh, you're like out on like beyond the margin. You know, like you're, you're borderline off the reservation. Take a step back into the circle of trust. Perhaps the most interesting thing about the interview is that he's interviewing himself. Because it's Interview Magazine. So, you know, like somebody like that's the whole premise is like, you know, you're interviewing people. And so it's an interview literally that he does with himself. Like he's asking himself questions and answering the questions like they have, you know, the question in bold and then his answer to his own questions in like regular print. And I'm just reading this as like a journalist. And I was just like, did y'all not have a budget for an actual writer? Whose idea was this that y'all thought this was going to go over well? Remember I was talking about how Will and Jada need to go sit down with a respected journalist if they decide they want to share their story post-Oscars because Red Table Talk is going to be, they're not going to ask each other the questions that the public wants to know. They're not going to do the follow-up questions that the public sitting at home would do. And they're not going to edit it the right way. They need somebody else to be in control of the narrative. People have this idea of, what they think is the best way to present themselves. And people just have blind spots on like what their personality and what their perspective is. You need somebody else to like write about you. It's why even as like a writer, I don't write my own bios. Like I can write a version of it and then I have to have like another writer clean me up and edit. It's really, really hard to, to talk about yourself, much less interview yourself. And I was like, if you had like a narrative that you wanted to share, like my dude, write a first person essay like everybody else. Like I understand the premise of the magazine is interview. And so it needs to be an interview format. But at the point in that you're having the subject be also the journalist, just say fuck it to how y'all usually do things and just put a, just put a first person essay in there. Like I don't, people just be trying to do different shit just to be different. And I'm not saying conform. I'm really not. I'm just like, you got to make sure that the the different that you're trying to be is like a different that makes sense. Because there was a couple pointed moments in the interview. He talked about his dad. He said, what is his greatest fear? He said, I think he said his mom dying. There were a couple worthy moments in the interview. But there's also, because again, the man is having like a full conversation with himself. I'm scrolling through the interview now. Interviewmagazine.com if you want to read it in full. It's really long. He justifies interviewing himself. He says, quote, I guess I don't love interviews. And I asked myself, and mind you, 
he's talking to himself. He says, I asked myself, why don't you like interviews? And I think part of it is that the questions are usually the same. This way I can get questions I usually don't get asked. So he asked himself, as I'm saying this out loud, it even sounds crazier than the first time I read it. He asked himself, you don't think this is contrived? He answers himself, I don't think it's more contrived than any other interview. You don't think? Really? This is some next shit, my dude. Um, So then he tells himself, he says, all right, I wrote down some things I've been thinking about. I'm going to try not to have a ton of follow-up questions so we can go quickly. Cool? He answers himself, great. He asks himself, who do you see yourself as? He answers himself, in what sense? He asks himself, who do you model your career after? He says, oh, Willy Wonka. That's when I knew we were going just fucking left. This is a part of the interview that's been making a lot of noise on Twitter, which, you know, sometimes Twitter gets like real like caught in in itself. Like people like to be outraged about things. He asked himself, are you afraid of black women? He answers his question with a question. He says, why are you asking me that? So he follows up to himself after saying he's not doing follow up questions. He says, I feel like your relationship to them, black women, has played a big part in your narrative. And then he says back to himself, I feel like you're using black women to question my blackness. He never answers the question of, are you afraid of black women? He's like, he asked this question, are you afraid of black women? As if like, are black women scary? Like, it's just such a weird question. Are black women threatening? Why would anyone be afraid of black women? Like, why would you just introduce this fucking question? Are you afraid of black women? Why are you asking me that? Again, I feel like your relationship to them has played a big part in your narrative. What the fuck does that mean? And he says, I feel like you're using black women to question my blackness. Where was your blackness questioned? What context, Negro context? And this right here is exactly why you shouldn't interview yourself. I'm moving on. Because reading this, I mean, I read it before. I read it earlier today. Reading it out loud while I'm talking to you, it just pisses me off even further. That and this brown-ass man in a goddamn diaper, I just... He actually looks like somebody I went to college with, too. The best part of this interview is actually worth going to the site. If for no other reason, so you can be as infuriated as I am. But also, in one of the pictures, he is wearing these Louis Vuitton pants. They're like green and white checkers. With a strip that has the Louis logo down the side. Like, the pants are phenomenal. These are phenomenal pants. Like Miss Seeley's pants. But like, you know, fit it. (sighs) Alright, what's next? Remember last week, we talked about the, the former NFL player who had much criticism for Russell and Sierra who be minding their business and not bothering nobody, and he just decided to come and bother these people for no damn reason. His name is Channing Crowder. He's married to Asia Crowder. They have three kids, three cute kids, cute wife. I have no commentary whatsoever about his wife other than to say that she's married to him and she's a cute lady. This dude. So last episode, we talked about him. And I asked, who is this nigga? And it was really a rhetorical question. Some of y'all decided to answer me. They said, D, 
you know who this is. I said, I don't know who this is. They said, D, you know who this is. I said, I don't know who this is. They said, it's the nigga that was a cat. The nigga that was a cat? What? The nigga that was a cat. I have no idea what you're talking about. Girl, girl, girl. Folks started sending me this video. I'm going to tell you about it. And you can be like, Demetria, I know you lying. And then I'm going to play you the audio from the video so you know I'm not lying. This dude who has much commentary on someone else's marriage. I just knew he had to be single. Nobody married has this much commentary on somebody else's marriage. To hear that this man was married, I was like, really? And had been married for a bop at that. I was like, really? You got too much goddamn free time. Speaking of his free time. This man who was up here dragging somebody else's marriage of six years that has produced two additional children into the one that Sierra brought into the marriage with her. This man, he, I believe it was a podcast interview. I've seen the video. I don't know where actually it aired. I've just seen the clip. Sir is on this video talking about his sex life with his wife. Me and my wife, we like to role play. Oh, okay, nothing wrong with that. Keep things spicy. Married three kids. He said, uh... I like to be a cat. The interviewer said, what you mean a cat? He said, I like to be a cat. She said, what you mean a cat? He said, I go outside on the back porch. And she said, you get on all fours? He said, yes, ma'am. I get on all fours. And I pretend to be a cat. And she said, well, if you're the cat, then, then what is your wife? And she said, she's an old lady. They, they role playing as an old lady who finds a stray cat. She go outside and she gets the stray cat. And brings the stray cat into the house. And then the cat begins to lick her. He made licking motions with his tongue when he's telling this story. I said, nigga, you doing this on camera? Oh, dear. She said, what, what is it about, about this particular role-playing act that you like? And he said, you know, I get to be inferior and my wife gets to be superior. And she said, well, how long does this go on? And he said, until I drop dick. I said, oh, 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 too much information, sir. Sir, sir, look, first and foremost, the marriage bed is undefiled. What two married people decide to do to, to keep their shit spicy, that's, that's, between, that's between you and your spouse. You and your cat role play is something really, sir, that you could have kept to yourself. I did not need to know this information. But how dare you? How dare you get on Al Green's internet and criticize somebody else's marriage when your ass is out here laying on the back porch crawling around and shit just so you could act like a submissive with your wife for some kicks you grown-ass man going meow, meow, get the fuck out of here and you gonna criticize somebody else's marriage sir 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 you have no right you have no place it was wrong on gp but sir with this information did you really want people to get this clip a grown-ass man talking about I go out on the back porch and lay down and wait for my wife to come get me. She act like an old lady. He's not even trying to act like, like a sexy, dignified cat. You just give me a stray? You little dirty cat from the street? That's what you like to act like? Sir. Sir. You thought that clip wasn't going to resurface when you went and started talking about some other grown folks' marriage? And I could see if Sierra and Russell had done like, you know, if Russell had gone to the Oscars and slapped somebody in the face, like I could see if you'd introduced yourself into the national conversation, international conversation with millions of people watching, it would have made sense to maybe talk about their marriage in the same way that we've been talking about Will and Jada for like the last, what, two weeks now? 
It's only been two weeks. My God, I'm so sick of talking about those people. I can see that, though. Sierra and Russell ain't been nowhere, ain't bothered nobody, ain't doing nothing, ain't made no quotes, no comments, no controversy, no chaos, no confusion. All they do is sit and eat their food and play with their babies. That's it. And you're just going to wake up one day and decide to just drag this man. Sir, drag your little stray ass outside and go lay on the goddamn back porch. And wait for your old lady to come get you with some shit. Meow, 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 grown ass man. Meow, 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 meow. Oh, pussy, pussy nigga. I have a dog, but me and my wife play, um, <laughs> we play sex games where I'm a cat. I, I can I can write you a, a list, but I'm a cat with my wife, and then I lay on the back porch. And I wait, I'm sorry, I don't get. So, what's your wife? She's the old woman that loves cats and brings them in. The oh, house. and so she brings. And then she so you're brings a stray. The cat in the house. I'm a stray. Okay. She brings them in the house, and then I drop meat. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah. what? So, what's like the core? Like, what about that is sexy to you? Like because what makes like, it a... Because I, I'm, I'm the inferior, and then she's the... the, the superior. The, the superior. Oh. And then when I'm on the back porch, she'll bring me to the house, and I'll... So like, you actually go on the back porch? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Do you, like, get on all fours? Taylor, we're nasty, nasty. <laughs> like, I don't know... I love that you all know this about Yeah, they all personal. know, yeah. We get after it. We're nasty, nasty. Oh, so wow. I'm on the back porch, and I lay down, and she'll come, and she'll get me in the house, and then I'll... And when are you out of cat character? I, like Once I start dropping dick. <laughs> <sighs> All right, that's the podcast episode for today. I'm recording this on Thursday at 9.52 p.m. Some of the world is waiting with breath that is baited to find out what the Academy is going to do to Will Smith in the morning. I don't really know what they could do. We talked about this prior. They're going to sanction him some somehow for the incident at the Oscars. And it was supposed to be, I want to say the end of April, they were going to announce their decision, but they pushed it up. This is all very Hollywood. They pushed it up for like proper timing. Like once Will was like, I quit, I'm out, I resign. They were like, well, shit, story's leaving. We got to do something before the story's gone and no one cares. So they pushed the date up until tomorrow. This woman wrote in and she said, are you going to, are you going to hold the podcast so we can discuss Will? No. We'll talk about it next week though. Maybe if I feel like it, I'm so sick of talking about these goddamn people. I have this whole theory that I want to talk about, about why people hate Jada Pinkett Smith. The, um, the obvious answer for a lot of people is because she, you know, cheated on Will and then the world found out about it and a woman and infidelity and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but y'all do Aisha Curry the same way y'all do Jada. Aisha ain't cheated on shit. Not that we've ever heard of. It's much more to it than just like, oh, she had sex with somebody else while in an open relationship with a husband who's also had sex with other people that he's talked about in two different fucking interviews. Whatever, whatever. We'll get to Jada and Will and and the hatred for Jada. I feel like I should should bring in an expert to talk about that. Um, We'll get to that one day. But not today. Another day. All right, that's the episode for this week. We'll be back next Tuesday. Lord willing, in the creek don't rise. If you have not picked up your Ratchet and Respectable merch, it is available on the website, DemetriaLLucas.com. We have tees, we have hoodies, we have v-necks. We have interested men act interested. We have cut the check. 
We have ratchet and respectable. We do not have feminist lips with ratchet hips. Actually, I think there's like two hoodies left. They might both be small. I think that's it for that though. And I'm working on the design for um, companionship, dick, and protection. It's not where I want it to be yet. And I told y'all, like, if I won't wear it, I won't sell it. So I'm on it. Let's see how it goes. In the meantime, that's not everything, but that's what I got for you. All right, bye.